Hello, and welcome to Inside the Business of Sports. This is Michael Carlisle. I am joined, as always, by our leader, Jim Kaler. Jim, how are you doing this morning? And I know we are excited to have a guest in studio with us today. Well, Michael, it's a good day because not only do we have a guest, we have a dear friend and a member of our advisory board in George Allen, who brings 28 years, George, I think, 28 years of experience with this company right down the street from us called iHeartMedia. George, did I get the uh, the number of years right there? That's right. Yeah. Uh, you could probably cut me in half and count the rings, but that's, that's accurate. Uh, 28 years, and I'm glad to be on the advisory board with you, Jim. I'm uh, a proud Clevelander, um, a rival of Jim's because I went to St. Ignatius. Uh, so, Jim, if you'd like me to talk a little bit slower for you, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. Um, you're beautiful george that's why you're on this show (laughs) no problem it's great to be here and great to be a viking as well good and and george uh by way of educational background we know you went to that school uh down near 25th and lorraine but right after saint ignatius walk our audience through um your education and also your time at cleveland state absolutely i uh I went to Bowling, the Bowling Green State University after St. Ignatius, and I started out as a radio TV film major in my freshman year. And after my first year, I thought, I don't want to do that for a living. Uh, so I scrapped that plan and became an English major because I wanted to be able to read and write well. And I think I accomplished that. Uh, finished my time at Bowling Green, spent a little bit of time at the Putin Bay uh, as a bartender at the beautiful Roundhouse Bar. Um, had my fun there. Uh, a good friend of the family, Mike Cleary, uh, who was with NACTA, uh, took me out to lunch and we talked about opportunities in sports. And I ended up finding out about a grad assistantship at Cleveland State in the sports information department. And this was back in 1991-92 when the Convocation Center was sparkling new. Uh, there was not a, an event there yet. It was still being constructed, just about to be finished. And I ended up entering into the athletic department. The AD at the time was John Constantinos, and a great um, person, a great teacher, Merle Levin, was the athletic was the sports information director. And I was his intern for about a year as the convocation center opened, uh, which was fantastic. It was it was both classes at Cleveland State in sport management, uh, and it was working for Merle covering things like the Cleveland State Vikings baseball team at Gordon Park, which if you've been down at Gordon Park in March or April, it's much like today. It's it's It was very cold, um, but it was great. Kevin Romberg, the former Indian, was the manager, the coach. And I got to work with Dick Bonacci, who was the legendary wrestling coach at Cleveland State University, as well as Wally Morton, uh, who was equally as legendary uh, on the swimming side. Um, on top of that, the icing on the cake was uh, head coach Mike Boyd and the Cleveland State Vikings, who uh, opened up the Convocation Center against the Fab Five from Michigan and really gave them a run for their money. There was 13,000 people, a capacity crowd at the Convo, um, fresh paint, uh, brand new court, lots of excitement, lots of anticipation. Uh, great players like Gravel Craig, Craig Caldwell, uh, Sean Fergus, and uh, it was wonderful. Um, all right. So from there, you find your way into a broadcast medium 
of radio yep and find your niche in the sports world so what what i'm trying to do with um this show today and and for our listeners is really take them behind the scenes they all listen to their favorite team in college on radio but they might not understand the business behind that right um walk walk us through your time at iheart in the early days and how that helped you find that fix on on sports yeah absolutely i um i ended up uh, getting out of cleveland state and uh getting up getting a role as a salesperson at whk 1420 which was which was at that time the sports voice of the fan which was 1995 and this was a great education for me and you talk about the business of sports i think a lot of people think about marketing and they think about sports business and 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 so much of that comes down to sales at the end of the day whether you're selling a sports program or a sports franchise or the value of an audience and i beat the street uh selling 1420 um which was less more sports and less levine an afternoon drive um it was an education in creativity because although we were a great sports radio station we did not have the cleveland indians and we did not have uh, the cleveland browns we did not have the cleveland Cavs. Uh, we had a basically great sports talk, but I was up against those other properties and you really had to think on your feet and and come up with really good reasons for people to invest their money in a sports program uh, that had an affluent affluent audience, had a fun atmosphere. Les Levine was fantastic. And uh, it really gave me an education, again, on the business side, the importance of creating relationships and following up on your promises. Um, Jim, from there, um, I progressed into iHeart and we landed the Cleveland Browns in 1999 when they returned, uh, ended up becoming the gen- the local sales manager for the Browns radio network the first two years that they were back. Yeah. Now, when you say you landed the Cleveland Browns, walk our listeners through what, what exactly that means. So back in, I think it was 95, again, I was at WHK. We, we had the atom bomb drop with the Browns moving to Baltimore. And the Browns left. Uh, it was a tough situation for most Cleveland sports fans. In 96, 97, the Cleveland Browns Trust was formed, which the NFL had put in place to basically keep the shell of a franchise in place in Northeast Ohio, minus the team on the field. Um, they put out bids uh, for broadcast partners, and at that time, uh, WMJI Magic 105.7 was named the flagship for Cleveland Browns football in '99. And you know, my job, and I was working with a gentleman named Dan Tracy, uh, who was also involved with the network for quite some time, was to go reintroduce the Browns to the consumers and reintroduce the Browns radio network to companies like Toyota and companies like Lowe's Home Improvement, you know, companies like Anheuser-Busch. And it really was fun because at that point, it was really the excitement of the team coming back. The X's and O's, if you will, of of performance um, didn't come into play. And it was 99, 2000 and 2001. The flagship was WMJI, and I sold Magic. I sold Magic as the flagship. Um, got to do great things like travel to Miami and see the Browns play on the road. Uh, get, get kind of behind the scenes with Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon up in the broadcast booth on Sundays, and uh, it was really exciting. It was fun, and the the bonus was I heard at that time had the Browns, had the Cavs, 
also had the Indians. So we had the uh, the big three, if you will. And I used a lot of what I learned through my years at Cleveland State to help me, um, you know, move forward and, and monetize that sports business side, uh, which was really a lot of fun. Right. And then Michael has had you in class as a guest speaker. But one of the things that I walked him through in the class is there's a couple different models out there where a team can partner with a radio station and the team can sell the in-game advertising. Right. And iHeart would come in and sell the adjacencies and maybe some other coaches shows. So can you walk our listeners through what a deal looks like between iHeart and a professional team? And then iHeart is involved with just so many colleges across the country. So walk our listeners through what what a, a, a business deal would look like between iHeart and, say, a professional team first. Yeah, these uh, these these business um, arrangements, I guess you could call them, have evolved over the years. And, you know, it, I'll go back to 99. You know, my recollection was that we paid the Cleveland Browns a fee and we owned all of the pregame, all of the in-game, all of the post-game. You know, and the responsibility with that is obviously in, in that era, you're writing the team a big check and you've got to sell that advertising to recoup that money plus. So I remember being out at Brown's training camp uh, with my general manager at that point, and he had a envelope in his front pocket. And I said, what's in the envelope? He said, oh, it's a check for X, you know, millions of dollars that were whatever the number was, I'm making that up, that I'm going to give to the Browns. So you better get out there and sell. <laughs> uh, so that put a little bit of a spring in my step. Um, and uh, it it, uh, it was a good relationship. But then teams learned to sell some of those things on their own. And they, in some cases, drew some of that, that inventory back. Yeah. And when we first met back in my days with the Cavaliers, our model was a little different. So we worked with WTAM. Um, and did have a business relationship with them. They were a sponsor. They were a sweet holder. But we internally sold the in-game advertising mm -hmm. and then would work with uh, you and others to sell some of the adjacencies. Yeah. What, what a lot of our fans, um, they probably wake up on Sunday morning listening to Browns football way, way before kickoff. So there's there's a fair amount of inventory and programming that, lead up to the game correct yeah there's there's programming you know let's say let's say it's a, a sunday game there's a pre-game and there's a post game but remember there's also during the week so you know if i'm selling wtam and you know i want to i want to create some revenue opportunities you create features like you know uh, when mike trivisano god rest his soul was on the air it was uh you know triv and tito an afternoon drive every friday so you create content that you can monetize and sponsor. Um, I think a lot of people get in their cars or they're tailgating and they hear the pregame postgame show. There's a lot of effort that goes into, you know, bringing people in that want to be a part of the fabric of that experience. That's what I used to call it with a potential sponsor. You want to be a part of the fabric of the broadcast. You want to be recognized every Sunday as that company that's always there sponsoring the NFL roundup or the quarterback report or the AFC North report, whatever it might be. Uh, it's a big branding opportunity is what it really comes down to. And if you're a local business in Cleveland, you can align yourself with bigger companies like Budweiser and bigger companies like Toyota or GM, perhaps. And it makes you sound bigger than life. 
Right. Now, a lot of times in the broadcast, fans will hear the Browns radio network or the Cavs radio network. Talk to us a little bit about what do you mean by network? Uh, network is uh, typically a, a network, if you will. It's, it's, let's say, 14 to 15 stations across the state of Ohio in the case of a Cleveland team that carries the coverage pre, in, and post game. So for an advertiser, uh, you can you can purchase local, which would mean uh, commercials that would just air in the Cleveland area, or you could buy the network, which would be perhaps across the state of Ohio, minus Cincinnati, um, but also in bigger markets like Columbus, Toledo, and so forth. You know, when Tim Couch was the quarterback for the Browns, we even had affiliates in Kentucky uh, because the Kentucky fans wanted to hear, you know, Couch's uh, era as quarterback. So odd things like that can happen, but you, most advertisers will have a local or network option. The network options typically for companies with a bigger footprint, obviously, like a Lowe's Home Improvement or a Bank of America, you know, ones that want want that big reach. And then the other ones are local. You know, it could be a car dealership. It could be Cleveland Auto Stores, you know, closer than you think, quarterback report. that just wants to hit the greater Cleveland area. So those are two options. All right. And then when I think of networks, I want to shift gears here for a second and talk about college sports, because sometimes... You know, uh, the college football team in a given state is going to have a big network. You first big move away from Cleveland and you find yourself um, selling advertising for some of the most exciting college basketball in the land. Walk, walk our listeners through that move. Well, one of the nice things about working for a company like iHeartMedia is there's opportunities across the country because the company is coast to coast. Um, in 2013, uh, I had the opportunity to become the market president for iHeart Raleigh Durham, which you know most people may or may not know is is home to three great uh, universities, let alone their athletic uh, programs: the North Carolina State, Duke, and University of North Carolina. Uh, iHeart in Raleigh Durham was the flagship for Tar Heel football and basketball, uh, but we also had loose affiliations with Duke and loose affiliations with. Uh, uh, NC State. Uh, in that case, uh, UNC, we had a partnership with a company called Learfield. And Learfield is uh, a, a well-known company that creates partnerships with universities and then monetizes the broadcast portion of the sports elements. In that case, it was a rights fee. Uh, you know, we got paid X amount uh, for the inventory on WRDU, one of our FM stations. And we broadcast the football, Tar Heel football, Tar Heel basketball, and then the coaches show. You know, we could sell, and we did, ancillary programming that we would create during the week, the Tar Heel report or whatever you'd like to call it. But there was also entertainment that came with that. So with our clients at iHeart, our, our deal, if you will, had season tickets to UNC basketball and UNC football. And uh, it was a great treat to be able to leverage relationships and grow relationships by bringing our clients to a UNC Duke basketball game or to a UNC, you know, Syracuse football game. Um, and that was awesome. And so it's not always selling, it's relational. So did you ever think when you're first getting into this world of sports business and collegiate sports at the uh, Wolstein Center that you'd be down there in the heart? of Carolina, you know, taking clients to uh, Tar Heel basketball games. No, never did. And, uh, 
you know, I quickly learned to have a, a, a Tarl here, blue uh, a golf shirt, a UNC uh, hat, an NC State golf shirt and a Duke uh, golf shirt, depending on who I was playing golf with or hanging out with. Uh, but I think it just comes through creating your own opportunities and, and utilizing, you know, perhaps a, a university like Cleveland State uh, to take that first step and to find out more about the landscape of the business side of sports. Um, you know, if you don't put yourself out there, you're, you're never going to find yourself potentially in a situation uh, living in, in Cary, North Carolina and having ESPN Sports Center down every week, it seemed like, either at NC State, UNC or Duke, which for me was brand new. Cleveland State University's new sports and entertainment management program, where students can turn their passion for sports and entertainment into a rewarding career, gain hands-on experience, and learn from industry experts in the rapidly growing field. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about the effectiveness of radio advertising, because brands today have more places to spend their advertising dollars than ever before. But at the end of the day, radio is still going to be a real efficient way to get your message out there. So talk talk to our audience a little bit about the effectiveness of radio advertising. Yeah, radio advertising, I, I, I think of it as, um, you know, the, the, the challenge with radio for a lot of people is this age. You know, it's a media that's over 100 years old. But I have I've always said and others have said that if radio was brand new, it would be the bright, shiny object. It's free. You can you can connect with different age groups, different life groups. Um, It's portable. You can take it with you to the beach. You can take it in the car. Um, It hits people in commuting times. And for for, for for the most effective side of it, it's content. It's content that you can't necessarily get on a music playlist, if you will. There are personalities on a station like WTAM, whether it's a Bill Wills or a Bloom Daddy in Afternoon Drive or a Carmen Angelo. And people form a relationship with those folks, you know, on WMS, for example, Alan Cox in Afternoon Drive or Rover's Morning Glory in Mornings. It's it's a relationship that they have with what we call them trusted companions, people that they listen to in their cars, in their headsets. And now with the portability of streaming, uh, on the iHeartRadio app, for example, or Spotify or whatever, whichever app you use, you can find and, and have that content follow you wherever you go. Uh, so audio is really one of the most important and probably one of the most affordable advertising medias there are. And that includes sports and also includes influencers and everything that people uh, like to talk about in a buzzword sense these days, social media, influencers, content. Um, you know, audio has that and radio broadcasting is, is a big part of that. Yeah. And a big, big part of the advertising spend every year is this targeted demographic mm-hmm. of men 18 to 34. And you got a lot of sports fans in there. So if you look at all of iHeart's inventory, not a bad place to go shopping. No, it's not. And, you know, it's it's um, and it's it, podcasting is 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 the tip of the spear now. So. Uh, podcasting is again that long story form content, almost like the old radio shows of yesteryear, where you would turn in for an episode a week. And um, you know everything you're saying is exactly online. Um, you know, iHeart is 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 a lot of different things, and um, and it's very effective. At the end of the day, we can iHeart can show people that a campaign worked. iHeart can show metrics that we increase web visits, that we increased. Uh, point of sale visits, things like that. 
Um, there's so many ways to slice the onion. At the end of the day, it comes down to results, though. Well, and in a roundabout way, you were responsible for getting me fired up about doing a podcast. And then Michael is there. He is in my fall intro class. He's already doing a podcast now. Michael's a non-traditional student, 35 years young. Uh, he and his wife are raising um, great kids. But um, Michael, is your chance to plug your uh, your your podcast? Go ahead. Well, thank you, Jim, for uh, letting me do that. Uh, so I do have another podcast. It's called The Lineman Lounge. It's a sports podcast. And, you know, anytime I have the opportunity to talk about that, I, I love to do it. It is a little different than this show. It is more uh, irreverent than this one. This is much more uh, about learning. And uh, I actually just kind of learned something from what George was just saying. But I have a follow-up question. You were talking about the advertising. And, you know, you can have a hyper-local or you could buy the network. Now, if you're buying the network and I have the ability to stream iHeartRadio anywhere in the world, any radio station, am I getting advertising all across the country for somebody who likes to listen to WTAM on the iHeart app? If I'm out in California, am I still going to hear the same kind of programming, the same advertising? Yes, you are. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you can't see it, listeners, but I'm holding my phone up. Your phone always knows where you are. So if you're listening to you know, KFI in Los Angeles, for example, on the iHeartRadio app, which is a great talk station, you are going to hear national ads and local ads because your phone knows your location. It knows you're in, you're within the Los Angeles area zip codes. So the same thing would be here. If you're, if you're in Cleveland and you're listening to WTAM, you're going to hear, you know, genre-based advertising that's targeting men 3564, let's say, based on your location. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, that's the technology. Your phone knows where you are. You can buy streaming, we call it, by location, by genre. Uh, you can buy it nationally if you like. The same with podcasting. You can buy podcasting coast to coast on a particular podcast, or you can buy by a certain geography, depending on what your product or your service is. Um, but it's it's all it's a lot of fun, too, because. The, the story I like to share is I was listening to WTAM on a treadmill and I was probably about 15 miles from University Hospital St. John West Shore Medical Center. And while I was on the treadmill, I heard a commercial for St. John West Shore Cardiac Care. And the reason why I heard that commercial was because of my physical location. I was within X number of miles from UH, from St. John West Shore. I was a male 35, 64, and I was fed that streaming ad. Somebody of a different um, gender or age might have a different experience. So it becomes more and more sophisticated, I'd say, almost every day. Uh, All right. Well, thank you, George. And then, oh, sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to cut you off. That, that technology, George, is mind-boggling when you think about it. You know? Yeah, it's, 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 it really is something else. And, um, you know, who knows where it'll go in the future. But, you know, right now it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a technology that um, is very prescriptive. Um, it's, it's one-to-one, meaning it's, it's an, it's an impression served to me because I'm listening through my streaming device. Broadcast is one-to-many. So broadcast is that reach mechanism, which is one-to-many. Streaming is more of that one-to-one because it's impression-based. All right. So, so real quick, getting you on our advisory board was a great opportunity for us because this program is not just a sport. Uh, management program, but it's also sport and entertainment management. And when I think of iHeart 
being right down the street from us. Um, iHeart is much more than sports. Talk to our listeners a little bit about where iHeart has gone in the entertainment space. I know you're you're doing award shows and all kinds of, of you know really great programming. Yeah, iHeart is the audio leader uh, undoubtedly in the United States, and it's got more uh, radio stations than any other broadcast company. Uh, you know, size isn't always the indicator of a successful company, but I'd say in this case it is because as Mike Gretzky uh, always had said, people quote this all the time, you want to be where the puck is going, not where the puck was, uh, so to speak. So it's evolved from an AM FM company to a company that is the leader in the podcast space, more podcast downloads than any other uh, publisher, including the New York Times, NPR, ESPN, Uh, big influencers on the podcast side, like Will Ferrell uh, with the Ron Burgundy podcast, and others that make it such a great place to be. Um, It is significant in the OTT space, meaning if you're a person that has cut the cord, if you don't have cable, if you don't have a a satellite and you're watching television, a video through a Roku or whatever it might be, iHeart has the purchasing power to buy up impressions and deliver those video ads as well. So uh, it's in the video space, it's in the audio space, it's in the it's in the digital space, meaning location. So if you go into uh, a 7-Eleven, you might get served an ad for a Coke on your phone. Uh, and the reason why you got served that ad is because your phone knows that you walk through a 7-Eleven front door and they want you to buy uh, a Coke. So um, it's, it's, it's really everywhere and the technology grows every single day. Um, influencers is a big part of it. As I said earlier on a big scale, that could be somebody like a Ryan Seacrest that's on, you know, across, across the, uh, across the country or a Bobby Bones, who is a huge personality in the country music world. Um, on the sports side, you know, we've, we've got, um, any number of sports stations you can listen to on the iHeartRadio app or locally in market like Fox 1350, the gambler which is a local sports station here, which also carries some Cleveland State Vikings basketball games, which is sports content, but also has a gambling tinge to it. So instead of necess- instead of hearing scores, you might hear the latest lines, things like that. Okay, so for our students, though, in addition to advertising sales, which is a great place to break in, yeah, um, there are opportunities at iHeart to get into special events because iHeart produces your own award show. So talk talk to our audience a little bit about how iHeart has thrown its business in the world of entertainment when it comes to award shows. Yeah, it's it's all about it's all about growing the brand and the brand is iHeart Radio. Um wisely, you know, they they created first the iHeart Radio Music Festival in Las Vegas, which typically is two nights in September. And I think that's been going on, on now since 2012. Um, big artists, a mix of genres, which I think is part of its appeal. So you could have a big country artist like Blake Shelton, followed by Paul McCartney, followed by Snoop Dogg, followed by uh, U2, followed by um, uh, whatever the, the boy band du jour is. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's it's really awesome. And it really helped launch the iHeartRadio app out into the stratosphere. But it's been it's been complemented by other events like the iHeartRadio podcast awards, which are coming up 
you know, in the next month out of Los Angeles. I think, uh, you know, Jim and Mike, at some point, this podcast undoubtedly will be up for an iHeart Radio Podcast Award. And I hope to give that trophy to both of you. Um, the iHeart Radio um, Music Awards, which is a fan based uh, music award show out of Los Angeles. And there's, there's, there's the iHeart Radio Country Music Festival in Austin, Texas. Again, elevating the brand connecting listeners and fans with artists that they love and giving them the opportunity to um, go and see those artists, whether it's through purchasing tickets or winning tickets or through a partnership with a company that allows access. Uh, so we try, iHeart tries to be wherever our listeners are. Okay. And then every now and then we're going to have a student that has a great set of pipes like Michael, and we're going to get him in on the broadcasting site. So right now, uh, Michael as a, non-traditional freshman at Cleveland State has picked up some experience doing color commentating with our Lady Vikings who are on their way to the NCAA. That's awesome. And congratulations to the Lady Vikings. Yeah. So uh, I want to pull Michael in on a little bit of this and maybe get him to ask a question or two about broadcasting opportunities with Inside iHeart. So Mike, uh, so it's your chance to throw a question or two at George. Okay. Uh, well, and George, I just got to tell you that the boy band du jour line was just chef's kiss. That is a spectacular way to phrase that. Well, they're, because, they're, I don't know who it is today. It seems like the old boy bands are coming back. Uh, I mean, hey, I'll bring it down to bring back Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I'm never going to turn them down. But uh, I am kind of interested now. Obviously, I have a podcast. And it, George, if you know anybody who wants to go and maybe pick up the Lineman Lounge and add them to iHeart. We are I think you're on the iHeartRadio app right now. They yes, are. you can yeah. absolutely listen to us on there. But, you know, if they want to toss us a little sponsorship, we're not going to turn that down either. Right. But uh, how does that process work? When iHeart is looking for new talent or different brands to bring in, what are they looking for to say, hey, this is an iHeart podcast? Or, hey, you know, we like the sound of this guy. Let's give him a shot on the morning drive or one of those other programs. You know, I think one of the things you can do is what you're doing is create content. And hopefully that content has some stickiness to it where it attracts people um, and it gains some gains some weight, if you will. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the thing about podcasting that's both, I think, awesome and sometimes a challenge is awesome. It gives people a voice and it gives folks a platform to present content on sports, on entertainment, on politics, whatever the subject matter might be. The, the challenge is, is that there's 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 so many people doing podcasts and, you know, it's almost like that um, that Dr. Seuss book, Horton, here's a who, you know, we're here, we're here, we're here. Everybody has their hand up. Uh, so sometimes it's just it's sometimes there's luck and there's luck with everything, but you don't have luck unless you create an opportunity on your own. And the content finds somebody and that that audio creates uh, resonance, uh, resonates and, it, and it, it grows organically. I'm sorry, Jimmy had a, a question. No, no, I, I just wanted to you gave me a great segue there. You said the word opportunity. Well, you before leaving iHeart and I, we want to wrap up the show with what you're doing now. But before leaving iHeart, you suggested to us, hey, you're right down the street. Come on over and use our podcast studio. So mm -hmm. Mike and I have been there, some great equipment. Yeah. Um, but, and, and we will, what will make this show different is when we get a Paul Dolan. On yeah, the absolutely. Or a Len Komorowski, because I think that our sports fans hear these names, but they don't always get to go behind the scenes and look at the business of sports. So 
want to thank you for uh, getting that going for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the iHeart facility on uh, 668 Euclid Avenue is is truly state-of-the-art. It's brand new. And there are uh, broadcast uh, studios as well as a podcast center that they're, I know that they're building out, um, which hopefully for you know partners like Cleveland State and others will provide a place to go and and record content. And and to your point, your question, Mike, I think it's also an opportunity for people to network and meet people, and that always helps. Yeah. All right, George. Let's shift gears. We're almost um, running out of time, but after 28 years at iHeart, you get recruited away to your current position with St. Jude's uh, in Michigan and really building brand awareness for St. Jude's and at the same time, more importantly, raising um, money and research and, and, and dollars for the good. So walk us through what you're doing today and, and how you got there. Yeah. Um, yeah. iHeart was a great company, still is. And uh, I know a lot of wonderful people that work there. I, as the as, as sometimes happens, the universe tapped me on the shoulder in October and uh, had the opportunity to speak with some great people at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, ALSAC, and ended up uh, taking a position as area executive director for Michigan for St. Jude. A lot of people are familiar with St. Jude or they know the story where no, no matter what, uh, it's there's no there's no there's never a bill for treatment, travel, care, or food, uh, which allows parents and families the opportunity to focus on uh, their child uh, surviving cancer. Hopefully, when St. Jude opened, there was a twenty percent survival rate for uh, forms uh, many forms of childhood cancer. Now that rate is a survival rate of eighty percent. Um, so uh, the the story is is phenomenal. Um, and I um, am now really happy to be in a position where I can take my 10,000 hours, as you will, uh, and meaning basically in sales and apply that to introducing people to uh, the great work that St. Jude does and uh, bringing folks on board in support of St. Jude. And some of that's almost like that sports sales. It kind of goes full circle, Jim. It's talking conceptually about what an alignment with a, with a with a mission like St. Jude would might look like and how it could help some brands um, elevate themselves because consumers tend to favor uh, products and services that have alignments with, with brands like St. Jude uh, to, to kind of uh, put it, put it in a perspective. So yeah. good change St. for me, uh, but it's also something I'm, I'm very familiar with. And St. Jude is no stranger to sports marketing. If you look at some of their, uh, celebrity endorsers in the world of sports, and and knowing you, George, you you will find a way to work sports and entertainment into your model so right. that you raise even more money for St. Jude's. Well, I think that's probably something I'm going to hopefully evolve into. But uh, you're right, and uh, it's it's a lot of different things to different people, but it's it's all about good. And um, I'm again, it's it's a uh, I'm learning a lot, uh, and I'm I'm taking lots of the things I learned at iHeart, and I'm applying it in this new capacity, and uh, couldn't be happier. Good deal. Well, hey, um, George, Mike, and I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule, for serving on our advisory board, and more importantly, giving back to our students and our listeners as we are on a mission to really educate the world on the business of sport and entertainment. So thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Mike. And I, just one last thing I'll mention is the, the DC Defenders are 4-0. Uh, I am president of the Northeast Ohio DC Defenders Backers Club. And uh, 
really took a whooping to the Vegas Vipers last night. So it's on to St. Louis this week and hopefully 5-0. and And so for some of our listeners, I, I went to your event a week ago Sunday that wanted to learn more about the D.C. Defender Support Group, which is the biggest support group in the XFL. How, how might they follow you there? Uh, you can go on Facebook, just just type in Northeast Ohio DC Defender Backers. We are now up to 615 members. Um, we are uh, we're a movement at this point, and we live and breathe and die XFL DC Defender football. So the road to San Antonio, the XFL championship, uh, we're, we're we're taking it in full stride. We're not taking anything for granted at this point, but we think we're we're looking at an undefeated season. All right, George. George. Thanks. You can count it as six sixteen now. I'm I'm on the DC Defenders. <laughs> you got me converted. That's my XFL no, team. I apologize and, to your family because we'll be occupying most of your free time. And, so. and Mike Michael wanting might want to book you on that topic for his podcast. So look for an invitation <laughs> coming your way. That might be a that you, you, we, you can sit in with my therapist and we'll we'll learn all we'll learn all about it. But uh, yeah, that'd be great. All right. Hey George, thanks a lot. Thanks guys. Take care. All right. See you. Thank you guys for listening to Inside the Business of Sports. I am Michael Carlisle saying goodbye for Professor K and saying thank you to George Allen. We'll talk to you guys next week. And remember, Vikings row together.